Chapter Number Eight of the Legends and Myths of Hawaii. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Legends and Myths of Hawaii by King David Kalakaua. Chapter Eight The Apotheosis of Pele. The Adventures of the Goddess with Kamapuaa. Part One In the Pantheon of Ancient Hawaiian Worship or rather of the worship of the group from the twelfth century to the nineteenth the deity most feared and respected especially on the island of hawaii was the goddess pele she was the queen of fire and goddess of volcanoes and her favorite residence was the vast and ever seething crater of kilauea beneath whose molten flood in halls of burning adamant and grottoes of fire she consumed the offerings of her worshippers and devised destruction to those who long neglected her or failed to respect her prerogatives her assistants and companions as related by tradition were her five brothers and eight sisters all of them clothed with especial functions and all but little less merciless and exacting than pele herself the first in authority under pele was moho king of steam the others were charged respectively with the duties of creating explosions thunders and rains of fire moving and keeping the clouds in place breaking canoes fighting with the spears of flame hurling red-hot masses of lava and doing whatever else the goddess commanded as the family claimed tribute of the entire island of hawaii to receive it they frequently visited the active and extinct craters of other districts and earthquakes heralded their departure from kilauea the temples of pele were numerous particularly in the neighborhood of old lava flows and their priests were always very well sustained the crater of kilauea was especially sacred to the goddess and the earth around it could not be safely disturbed an offering was first made of a part of everything eaten there and fruits pigs fowls fish and sometimes human beings were thrown into the crater to appease the wrath of the goddess and avert a threatened overflow the pele family was neither connected with nor controlled by the supreme gods of hawaiian worship nor was it a part either of the ancient or latter theocracy of the group as brought down by the priesthood of hikapaloa the godhead and trinity of original creation it was an indigenous and independent development of the twelfth century until which period the family was unknown in hawaii and the stronghold it secured and for centuries maintained in the native heart was due partly to a popular faith in and worship of the spirits of departed chiefs and ancestors and partly to the continued and ever visible evidences of the power and malignity of the volcanic deities and so indeed was it with the many other deities of hawaiian adoration Valkane was deemed the creator and undoubted superior of them all they were seldom restrained in the exercise of their several functions and individual appeals to them through their priests were necessary to secure their favor or placate their wrath with this brief reference to the worship and attributes of the terrible goddess and her family the story of their mortal lives will now be told and a plain relation given of the strange events which led to their apotheosis every tradition refers to them as deities at the time of their arrival at hawaii and occupation of kiloya and all abound in marvellous tales of their exploits 
the most wonderful being connected with the Oahuan warrior Kamakua, one of the lovers of Pele, who was transformed by the bards into a supernatural monster, a being half man and half hog, with powers almost equal to those of Pele herself. A careful analysis, however, of the various mulelos of Pele and her family renders it plain that they came to the group as simple human beings and as human beings lived and died as did also come up and that superstition subsequently elevated their mortal deeds to the realms of supernatural achievement the pele family came to hawaii during the reign of kamiole the usurper from one of the southern islands probably samoa in about the year a d one one seven five it was of chiefly blood and also of priestly lineage and to escape the penalties of defeat had at the close of a long and disastrous war fled northward and found a home in hawaii the head of the family had fallen in battle and moho the eldest of the sons assumed the direction of what remained of the once powerful household the fugitives first landed at honuapo in the district of kao but finding no lands there available coasted along to the southern shores of puna and finally located in the valleys back of kiaho among the foothills of mauna loa including the crater of kilauia a few miles to the westward an overflow had reached the sea the year before and as the volcano was still active and earthquakes were of frequent occurrence in the neighborhood the valleys had been deserted and the newcomers who boldly settled there were soon spoken of as being under the especial protection of the gods since they seemed to fear neither earthquakes nor threatened indentations of fire under the circumstances almost everything they did was credited to supernatural agencies and it was not long before pele moho and kamakawa the three most influential members of the little community were regarded as kahunas of unusual sanctity and power the pele family proper consisted at that time of pele her two brothers moho and kamakawa and a younger sister named ulolu who was after her apotheosis known as hiaka ikapaliopele with them however were a number of relatives principally females whose protectors had perished in the struggle preceding their departure from samoa and about thirty attendants the brothers were large stalwart men who had distinguished themselves in arms in their native land and their attendants were warriors of tried courage and capacity from these companions and assistants were created the three additional brothers and seven sisters of pele mentioned in the melis of the bards one of the former kanehekili is said to have been a hunchback as was also kamakawa but the fighting qualities of neither seem to have been impaired by the deformity pele was as courageous as she was personally attractive she had taken an active part in the wars of her father and with her own hand had slain a chief who had attempted to abduct her her brothers were devoted to her and her bright eyes and queenly presence commanded the respect and homage of all who approached her and now cultivating their lands in the valleys back of kiauho and living contentedly and without fear of molestation we will leave the little colony for a time and refer to another important character in the story we are telling kamapua the traditional monster of oahu whose deeds so aggrandized the folklore of that island 
in some melis he is depicted as a hog with a human head and in others as a being with a human form and a head of a hog but in all he is described as a monster of prodigious bulk and malicious and predatory propensities part two glancing back a half century or more before the landing of the pele family in puna we note the arrival in the group of a number of independent parties of immigrants or adventurers from the southern islands among them were the chiefs kalana and huma they came with considerable of a following including the beautiful kamaunui and a few of her relatives the party landed on the island of maui and after some wandering and change of locations finally settled in waihi a spot noted for its beauty and natural advantages huma loved the fair kamaunui he had whispered soft words to her on their long journey from kahiki and fed her with the choicest food to be found among the stores of his great double canoe but she loved kalana better and when she became his wife huma abruptly left waihi returning it is supposed to his native land the only child of this marriage was hina who on reaching womanhood became the wife of olopana a chief of the island of oahu although of the same name he was in no wise related to the olopana who was the brother of moikeha and the grandson of maweke this chief had arrived from the south a few years before his marriage with hina and with his younger brother kahikula settled in kulau or on the kulau side of the island of oahu where he had acquired very considerable possessions by what chance he met hina or through what influence he won her tradition does not mention but as his wife she went with him to oahu and there remained hina was fair and kahikualao unlike his brother was young and handsome they were happy in the society of each other and were therefore much together she went with him to the hills for wild fruits and berries and he followed her to the seashore to gather shells and limpets the jealousy of olopana was at last aroused and when hina presented him with a son he charged kahikuala with its paternity and refused to accept the child as his own this estranged the brothers and made the lot of hina miserable from its birth olopana disliked the child and in his resentment named it kamapua signifying a hog child or child of a hog as the infant shown no marked physical characteristics of that animal it is probable that olopana fastened upon it the graceless appellation in a spirit of retaliation but whatever may have prompted its bestowal the child certainly bore the name through life thus giving to the bards who chanted the story of his acts the cue and pretext for shaping him into the monster depicted by tradition having no love for kamapua olopana took little interest in his growth from year to year to the mighty manhood which he finally attained and which excited the admiration of all others the more kamapua was praised the greater dislike did olopana feel for him and at length the presence of the young giant became so obnoxious to him that he ordered him under penalty of death to leave the district failing to understand the cause of this unnatural hatred the anger of kamapua was at last aroused and he strode away from the home of his youth with his heart filled with bitterness and vows of vengeance as he left kahikula presented him with a long and finely finished spear tipped with bone and his mother threw over his broad shoulders the feather cape of a chief and hung around his neck a palawa or talisman carved from the tooth of some great animal of the sea 
kamapua knew of a large cavern in the hills some miles distant from kulau the name by which will be designated the place of his birth and thither he repaired and took up his residence he led a wild predatory life and was soon joined by others as reckless as himself until the party numbered fifty or sixty in all made bolder by this following kamapua began to harass the estates of olopana he stole his pigs fowls and fruits and whatever else his little band required and delighted in breaking his nets cutting adrift his canoes and robbing his fish ponds in a spirit of youthful bravado he had his body from his loins upward tattooed in black shaped his head and beard to the resemblance of bristles and hung from his shoulders a short mantle of tanned hawkskin the hair being left to be worn on the outer edge in this guise his name did not seem to be altogether inappropriate and he was pleased at the terror his appearance inspired becoming still bolder kamapua resolved to inaugurate a more vigorous warfare upon olapana and began to cut down his coconut trees and destroy his growing crops this brought the matter to a crisis as such acts were always regarded as a declaration of war the depredations of kamapua were invariably committed at night and it was some time before the real aggressors were discovered kulau was filled with stories of the marauding exploits of a lawless band led by a monster half man and half hog and the kahunas were called upon to ascertain the character of the spoilers and if found to be supernatural placid them with sacrifices while the kilos were plying their arts the mystery was suddenly solved in a more practical manner detected one night in destroying the walls of one of olapana's fish ponds kamapua and a number of his party were secretly followed to their hiding place in the hills this information was brought to olapana and he promptly equipped a small force of warriors to follow and capture or destroy the plundering band which he was enraged beyond all measure in learning was under the leadership of his outcast son or nephew kamapua but the task of capturing or destroying kamapua and his band was by no means an easy one of the party first sent to attack them in their mountain stronghold all were killed with the exception of a single warrior and he was allowed to return to tell the tale of the slaughter and take to olapana the defiance of kamapua to satisfy the chief that kamapua's purpose was rebellion as well as pillage and a force of six hundred warriors were organized and sent against the outlaws this forced kamapua to change his tactics and leaving their retreat in which they might have been surrounded and brought to submission by famine the rebels retired farther back into the mountains where they for months defied the whole force of olapana frequent skirmishes occurred and many lives were lost but every attempt to surround and capture the desperate band was frustrated by the dash and sagacity of their leader once when closely pursued and pressed against the verge of a narrow gorge the rebels crossed the chasm and escaped to the other side by some means unknown to their pursuers and the story was told and believed that kamapua taking the form of a gigantic hog had spanned the gorge and given his followers speedy passage over his back to the other side when he leaped across it a single bound and escaped with them the spot marking this marvellous achievement is still pointed out at haula and the tracks of the monster in the solid rock are shown it is difficult to say just how long this desolutory 
fighting continued, but in the end the rebels were surrounded and nearly destroyed, and Kamapua was captured unhurt and delivered over to Olapona to the great joy and relief of the people of Kulau. Olapona had erected a heiau at Kaniohe, where Lonoauhi officiated as high priest, and thither he resolved to take his rebellious son or nephew and offer him as a sacrifice to the gods. Hina pleaded for the life of Kamapua, but Olapana could not be moved. Satisfied that he would listen to no appeals of mercy, she determined to save her son, even at the sacrifice of her husband, and to that end secured the assistance of the high priest, through whose treachery to Olapana the life of Kamapua was saved. On the day fixed for the sacrifice, Kamapua, carefully bound and strongly guarded, was taken to the heiau, followed by Olapana who was anxious to witness the ghastly ceremonies and with his own eyes see that his troublesome enemy was duly slain and his body laid upon the altar in offering human sacrifices the victim was taken without the walls of heiau and slain with clubs by the assistance of the high priest the body was then brought in and placed upon the altar in front of the entrance to the inner court or sanctuary when the left eye was removed by the officiating priest and handed if he was present to the chief who had ordered the sacrifice this being done the offering was then ceremoniously made and the body was left upon the altar for the elements to deal with standing with three or four attendants at the door of this tabued retreat within forty or fifty paces of the altar Olapana saw his victim preliminarily, led to the place of sacrifice, and a few minutes after motioned for the ceremonies to begin. Kamapua was taken without the walls of the temple to be slain. He was in charge of three assistant priests, one of them leading him by a stout cord around his neck, another keeping closely behind him, and the third walking silently at his side with the club of execution in his hand passing beyond the outer wall the party entered a small walled enclosure adjoining and the executioner raised his club and brought it down upon the head of his victim kamapua smiled but did not move twice twice with mighty sweep the club descended upon the head of kamapua but scarcely bent the bristly hairs upon his crown with a semblance of wonder the executioner whose tender blows would have scarcely maimed a mouse dropped his club and said three times have i tried and failed to slay him the gods refuse the sacrifice it is so it is so it is so chimed his companions the gods indeed refuse the sacrifice we have seen it therefore instead of slaying kamapua the assistants as they had been secretly instructed to do by the high priest removed the cords from his limbs smeared his hair face and body with fresh blood of a fowl and on their shoulders bore him back and placed him upon the altar as if dead the high priest approached the apparently lifeless body and bent for a moment over the face as if to remove the left eye then placing on a wooden tray the eye of a large hog which it had been procured for that purpose he sent an assistant with it to olapana at the same time retiring within the inner court and leaving by the side of kamapua and near his right hand as if by accident the sharp ivory pahoa or dagger with which he had to all appearance been operating 
giving but a single glance at the eye presented to him by the assistant of the high priest olopana passed it to an attendant without the customary semblance of eating it and approached the altar alone kamapua did not breathe his face was streaked with blood his eyelids were closed and not a single muscle moved to indicate life olopana looked at the hated face for a moment and then turned to leave the heiau not caring to witness the ceremonies of the formal offering as he did so kamapua clutched the dagger beside his hand and springing from the altar drove the blade into the back of olopana again and again he applied the weapon until the chief with a groan of anguish fell dead at the feet of his slayer horrified at what they beheld the attendants of olopana sprang toward their fallen chief but their movements whatever their import did not disturb kamapua he had been accustomed to meeting and accepting odds in battle and when he had secured possession of the ihe and huge axe of stone conveniently placed for his use behind the altar he boldly approached and invited an encounter but the challenge was not accepted the attendants of the chief did not ordinarily lack courage but they were unnerved at the sight of a victim slain mutilated and laid upon the altar by the priest coming to life and springing to his feet full armed before his enemies appearing upon the scene the high priest expressed a great surprise and horror at what had occurred and his assistants wildly clamoured at the sacrilege but no hand was laid upon kamapua and the friends of olopana finally left the heiau taking his body with them this tragedy in the heiau of kawaiwai created a profound excitement in the district had kamapua been at all popular with the masses the death of olopana at his hands would have occasioned but little indignation but as many beside the dead chief had suffered through these plundering visitations and hundreds of lives had been sacrificed in his pursuit and final capture the people rose almost in a body to hunt him down and destroy him hina attempted to save her son from the wrath of his enemies but her influence was insufficient to protect him and he again sought refuge in the mountains but his following was small and he finally crossed the island and with a party of forty or fifty reckless and adventurous spirits set sail for the windward islands in a fleet of eight or ten canoes which he in some manner obtained from the people of eva more than one tradition averse that kamapua travelled to foreign lands after leaving oahu even to the lands where the sky and sea were supposed to meet but he made no such journey at that time he spent some months in sight-seeing among the islands southeast of oahu and pretty nearly circumnavigated them all sometimes for the lack of better occupation he and his companions engaged in the petty wars of the districts visited by them but they generally led a roving careless life maintaining peaceful relations with all and plundering only when every other means of securing supplies failed and thus they journeyed from island to island until they reached hawaii kamiole the usurper had but just been defeated and slain by kalapana the son of kanipahu the hunchback in kohala where kamapua first landed was still suffering from the effects of the war he therefore proceeded southward along the coast touching at several points in kona then rounding the southern cape of the island he sailed along the shores of kau to honuapo where he landed and spent several weeks 
it was while he was there that kamapua first learned of the pele family in the adjoining district of Pune, and became acquainted with the many stories of enchantment and sorcery connected with the little colony pele was described to him as a woman of unusual personal beauty and the lands occupied by the family and its retainers were said to be secure against lava inundations from kilauea through the special favor and protection of the gods these strange stories interested kamapua and he resolved to satisfy himself of their truth by visiting the mysterious colony he accordingly set sail with his companions for Pune, and landing at kiauhau took up his abode near the seashore not far from the lands occupied by pele and her relatives as the colonists seemed to pay but little attention to the newcomers at the expiration of three or four days kamapua concluded to open a way to an acquaintance with them by visiting their settlement in person and with a few of his companions appeared one morning before the comfortable hale of pele and her family moho received the strangers courteously inquired the purpose of their visit to kiauhau and from what part of the country they came and hospitably invited them to a breakfast of meat potatoes poi and fruits the invitation was not declined and during the repast moho learned from kamapua that he was the chief of the party and that the visit of himself and companions to Pune had no especial object beyond that of observation and pleasure the tattooed body and bristly hair and beard of kamapua imparted to his otherwise handsome person a strangely ferocious and forbidding appearance and at the mention of his name and a place of nativity moho at once recognized him from report the monster of oahu who had ravished the estates of olapana and finally assassinated that chief that chief in the heiau of kawaewae his presence therefore in that part of puna was considerably less welcome than the words of moho implied but no act of the latter indicated a suspicion that the ulterior purposes of his visitors were possibly otherwise than peaceful and when they took their departure for the beach it was with mutual assurances of friendship but kamapua did not take his leave that morning until he saw pele he found a pretext for prolonging his visit until she finally appeared and when moho made them known to each other kamapua comported himself with a grace and gallantry never before observed in him by his companions he admitted to himself that the reports of pele's beauty had not been exaggerated and wondered how it happened that she had remained for years unmarried the thought then came to kamapua perhaps not for the first time that he would marry pele himself and settle permanently in Pune. the idea of marriage had seldom occurred to him but after he saw pele he could think of little else he greatly admired her appearance and could see no reason why she should not be equally well pleased with his no mirror save the uncertain reflection of the waters had ever shown him his hideously tattooed face and bristly hair and beard and the hog-skin still worn over his stained shoulders was regarded by him as a manly and warlike covering well calculated to impress with favor a woman of pele's courage and accomplishments but kamapua did not urge his suit at once he visited moho almost every day for half a month or more and endeavoured to render himself agreeable to pele by sending her baskets of choice wild fruits fresh from the sea which women were allowed to eat and strings of beautiful and curious shells gathered from the shores and caverns of the coast 
he saw her occasionally and observed that she avoided him but he attributed her seeming repugnance to him to a coyishness common to her sex and drew from it no augury unfavorable to his suit the companions of kamapua soon discovered the attraction that was keeping him so long in the neighborhood of kiauhau where food was becoming the reverse of abundant and urged him to return to honuapo but he silenced their clamors with promises of good lands and lives of ease in the valleys back of them and they hopefully struggled on with their unsatisfactory fare kamapua finally made a proposal of marriage to pele but she refused to entertain it and was promptly and heartily sustained by her brothers but a simple refusal did not satisfy kamapua he urged that his blood was noble and that the proposed union was in every way fitting and proper and would prove mutually beneficial enraged at his presumption and persistency pele boldly expressed a contempt for him and aversion to his presence in return kamapua threatened to seize her by force and desolate the colony tradition asserts that she thereupon defied his power and denounced him to his face as a hog and the son of a hog but whatever may have been the precise language used on the occasion by pele it was sufficiently definite and insulting not only to destroy the last hope of kamapua but to rouse in his heart the bitterest feelings of revenge and he retired in wrath to the beach to plan and speedily execute a terrible scheme of retaliation without referring to his final interview with pele and her brothers kamapua informed his companions that he was at last ready to move not to honuapo however but to the cultivated valleys immediately back of them occupied by a family of foreign interlopers and their adherents who recognized the authority neither of kalapana nor the governing chief of puna and might therefore be dispossessed without incurring the reproach or hostility of any power competent to punish the project pleased them but they doubted their ability to drive from their lands so large a number the most of whom were doubtless skilled in the use of arms but kamapua promised to make the way clear to an easy victory he said he had carefully noted the number of the settlers and observed the places where the most of them lodged his plan was to suddenly fall upon them in the night and massacre all the male adherents of the family this done they would be masters of the situation and able to treat on their own terms with the few who remained it was proposed to include the governing family in the slaughter but kamapua opposed the suggestion declaring that one of the brothers of pele was a priest of great sanctity whose death by violence would kindle the wrath of the gods and his counsel prevailed several days elapsed without any movement being made kamapua was waiting not only for a relaxation of the vigilance which his incautious threats may have inspired but for the dark of the waning moon finally the blow was struck under the favoring cover of darkness kamapua and his companions left the beach and secreted themselves near the scattered huts of the settlers and at a signal some time past midnight rose and massacred every man within reach of their weapons but few escaped the screams of the women who had been spared rang through the valleys as they fled toward the mansion of pele and her brothers for protection and the band of murderers returned satisfied to the beach it was the purpose of kamapua to surround the home of the surviving family the next day and capture pele by force as he had threatened or otherwise bring her and her haughty relatives to terms 
but after what had occurred moho readily understood the plans of the assassins and early next morning abandoned the family cluster of houses which could not be successfully defended and sought refuge in a cavern in the hills about three miles up the valley accompanied by the entire family and the few others who had escaped the massacre of the night before there was water in the cavern and as fugitives took with them a considerable quantity of provisions and the opening to the retreat was small and easily defended they hoped to be able even if discovered and besieged to protect themselves until the arrival of relief or the abandonment of the siege as hopeless by their enemies the cavern was of volcanic formation and had never been fully explored it embraced a number of large connecting chambers with ragged avenues leading back into and up the hill the only light came through the front entrance into which from the inside were hastily rolled heavy boulders of lava found here and there detached leaving openings through which spears and javelins could be thrust a tiny rivulet of water trickled in somewhere from the darkness and after filling a shallow basin in the floor of one of the chambers ran out through the opening as air came in from the back of the cavern it must have been connected with the surface through some one or more of the dark avenues referred to but not a glimmer of light so far as the occupants had been able to penetrate the depths indicated the possibility of an escape in that direction should the cavern be rendered untenable by assault the party numbered in all seven men and eighteen women and children and they had taken to their retreat a goodly supply of arms and provisions enough to sustain them for some weeks thus prepared they gloomily awaited their fate but they had fled to the hills not a moment too soon for early in the day kamapwa and his companions appeared and surrounded the deserted habitations of the family discovering that his victims had escaped kamapwa promptly divided his followers into small parties and dispatched them to the hills in search of the fugitives or of traces of their flight he also joined in the search but went unattended in the course of the day all returned to the deserted huts where they had taken up their quarters and reported that no traces of missing colonists had been discovered and the general opinion was that they had escaped across the mountains kamapua waited until all the rest had told the stories of their fruitless wanderings when he announced that he had found what they had lacked the sagacity to discover he informed them that the fugitives were secreted in a cavern some distance up one of the valleys where they could be surrounded and captured without difficulty but he did not mention that he had made the discovery by shrewdly following a dog into the hills and watching the animal until it stopped in front of the entrance to the cavern he was willing that his companions should believe that his success was due to some inspiration or prescience of his own a guard was immediately detailed to watch the cavern and see that no one escaped and the next day the place was surrounded and formally besieged following these preparations visible to moho and his handful of survivors kamapua approached the entrance sufficiently near to be heard within and demanded the surrender of the party promising that the lives of all would be spared the demand was refused with words of insult and defiance and kamapua ordered an assault upon the entrance several attempts were made to force the protecting rocks from the opening but their interstices bristled with spear-points and after a number of the assailants had been wounded the plan of attack was abandoned as impracticable a large quantity of dry wood leaves and grass was then heaped in front of the entrance and fired in the hope of suffocating the inmates with the heat and smoke of the conflagration 
but the draught of air through the cavern kept the smoke from entering and although the heat for a time became oppressive immediately around the opening the connecting chambers were but slightly affected by it the fire was allowed to die out and come up on too closely approaching the entrance to note its effects was made keenly aware of the failure of the project by receiving a sharp spear thrust in the arm as fire and assault had proved unavailing and a long siege did not accord with his purposes come up one next endeavor to effect a breach through the top of the cavern in the rear of the entrance as this necessitated the removal of an overlying mass of ten or fifteen feet of soil and rocks the undertaking involved a very considerable amount of hard labor but the plan met with general favor and with ooze and other implements obtained from the valleys below the besiegers entered upon the task of excavating through into the cavern for several days the work progressed almost uninterruptedly and a large pit had been lowered to a depth of eight or ten feet when the earth began to tremble violently and a few minutes after the air was filled with sulphurous smoke and ashes but this was not the most appalling sight beheld by Kamapwa and his companions. Looking up the valley, which at that point was little more than a narrow gorge, they saw a flood of lava, full a hundred feet in width, bursting from the hillside and pouring down the ravine, its high advancing crest aflame with burning timber and sweeping before it a thundering avalanche of half-molten boulders. With exclamations of dismay, they started in full flight down the valley, closely followed by the devouring flood. On, on they sped, past the deserted huts of their victims, past the sandy foothills, past the cocoa trees that fringed the beach. Turning at the water's edge, they beheld the awful stream spreading its mantle of death over the broadening valley, and speeding to the sea in broken volumes. Leaping into their canoes, they plunged through the surf and paddled out to the sea setting sail for honuapo kamapua saw as they left the coast that the upper part of the valley from which they had fled was filled with lava and knew that the cavern in which pele and her companions had sought refuge from his wrath had been deeply buried by the flood when the news of the eruption reached honuapo the people who had heard so many strange stories of pele and her family did not believe that they had perished on the contrary they declared that the eruption had been invoked by pele to drive kamapua from the district and that if she had permitted her lands to be destroyed it was with the view of taking up her residence in the crater of kilauia and this opinion soon crystallized into a belief which spread throughout the island of hawaii and another generation saw temples erected to pele the goddess of fire and the priests sanctified to her service all but three of her brothers and sisters were the creations of her early priests and their attributes gradually grew and took form as they floated down the stream of tradition many adventures are related to kamapua after his flight from kiauhau but the most or all of them are the dreams of the poets of after generations and further reference here to this most striking of the early heroes of the group may be properly concluded with the remark that shortly after his experiences with the pele family he immigrated with a considerable following to one of the southern islands where he married distinguished himself in arms and finally died without revisiting the hawaiian archipelago End of chapter eight